Carla. Welcome to Spirituality Matters. And now I invite you to settle in to find that sacred space between here where I am and there where you are. And let us be reminded that the Holy transcends our physical bodies. And our time together is just as sacred and meaningful as if we were sitting beside one another. Okay, so let's get started. Today's podcast is entitled, The Bible is Holding You Hostage. So first of all, do you like my recording studio? <laughs> it depends on where, where life takes me, and I have to make it work. Maybe one of these days I'll have an official studio, but I hope the sound is okay and everything is working out with the lighting and everything. So, But this is my one of my daughter's rooms, and I found a little corner, and I think, I think it's going to work for us today. All right, so again, this is called The Bible is Holding You Hostage, and this is, has, uh, is inspired by the number of questions that I get each week from people fearing that they are a mistake, that they are a sin, that they're going to hell, or they even have a demon inside of them. I just peeked at my DMs before I came in on one of my social media platforms, and right now there are four or five that just came in over the past 24 hours of people asking these kinds of questions. But what I've also realized is that over time, I'm not making as many videos of re responding to these comments because it feels like I'm just repeating myself over and over again, and that's okay. I understand that sometimes we need to hear messages over and over again. But what I realize is the reason, one of the reasons I've stopped doing it is because to continue to address the Bible as if obsessing over translations will stop the weaponization is the wrong approach. It absolutely will not stop it. Because what it does, now listen to this, it keeps the perpetrator of this abuse, this, this, this spiritual abuse in control because they're controlling how we're going to respond to them. Why are we responding to them at all? I refuse to do that anymore. So hear me again. It keeps the perpetrator of spiritual abuse in control when we have to then turn back to Scripture and study it in the same way that we did when we were indoctrinated into our religious heritage. I'm not doing it anymore and this is what I need you to hear and I say this in the blog the Bible will never say what you need it to say in order for you to be free from the dogma that was part of your religious heritage do you need to hear that again the Bible will never say what you need it to say in order for you to be free from the dogma that was part of your religious heritage I wish it was that simple to just be free from the dogma of your religious heritage. My need to say this comes from years of helping people deconstruct from toxic religious beliefs so they can live a spiritually empowered life. Now I often receive comments from people telling me how much my content is helping them with their deconstructing journey. Yet those are the very same people who will ask these questions. So they'll say, oh my gosh, I feel so much better. Thank you for affirming my path. Thank you for giving me answers. But I have one more question for you. Am I going to hell for not going to church? Or does God love me if I no longer believe in the God of Christianity? Or how about this? Where does it say in the Bible that it is okay to be gay? Or what if hell is real and I'm destined to go there because I don't believe like my family does anymore? And this last one always gets me. Am I a good person? 
these questions break my heart because I have been where these people are. I have been held captive by biblical teachings from my religious indoctrination. And this being held hostage by what we think the Bible says is so common that I have come to expect that it will be present in those who are deconstructing from their religious heritage. Now, when one understands how deep into the soul religious indoctrination can live, then one understands how much power weaponized scripture has over the deconstructing Christian. And I put a lot of people in that bucket because I see it all the time. I've shared the story a couple of times, but I want to share it here, where early on when I was uh, posting online about the weaponization of of scripture to condemn the LGBTQI plus community and why that needed to stop, I had an atheist come into my comments and say, hey, I'm an atheist. I really don't have any stake in this discussion, but I just want to let you know that being gay is a sin. Okay, you just profess to be an atheist, but you just judged an entire group of people and said that they are a sin when apparently you don't believe in sin. I actually was fascinated by that. Like, how are you reconciling that in your mind? So I asked that question. How are you, why do you profess to be an atheist but still feel like you need to come out here and say that being gay is a sin? And it wasn't that they were just saying the Bible says it. They were saying this about the people that, you know, there's, there's two ways you can look at this. You can say, well, when I read the Bible, I think it does, the interpretation is that it's telling people that um, the LGBTQIA plus community are a sin. And, but I don't adhere to the Bible because I reject it because I'm atheist. No, this person was saying, no, it is a sin. They are flawed. They are a mistake. Like you're not atheist. If you're using words like sin and flawed and a mistake and saying that they need to turn away from their quote lifestyle. So again, I kept pushing to the point that the person not only left the conversation, they blocked me. They could not face the fact that they had not deconstructed because you're still holding on to beliefs that weaponize the scripture that oppress people. So you're holding on to that indoctrination must be serving something about your own phobic beliefs and you're holding on to that to continue to weaponize it and use it towards people that you feel morally or spiritually superior to. So isn't that interesting that even someone professing to be atheist can look at scripture that way and use it and wield it when they when they want to. So that's why I always say it's not enough just to leave church. Now, for some people who can just leave and, and, and be okay, but for those of us who have experienced religious trauma, those of us who want to l- release some of those or peel away some of those indoctrinated beliefs, that takes time and that takes work. And that's what deconstructing is. So usually the first thing that often arises uh, for the deconstructing Christian is an awareness of something shifting deep inside of them. They may have had hints of it in their presence in their life, but now it's so profoundly powerful that they can no longer ignore it. And I've often heard it said, and I, I believe it now too, is that 
you can look back towards your life even when you were indoctrinated into your religious indoctrination and you can find the breadcrumbs that led you to the point of your deconstructing and I became aware of it as young as nine years old where sitting in the pew absolutely captivated by the Southern Baptist preacher I was listening to because let me tell you there is nothing more passionate than a fire and brimstone preacher who can terrorize you and also bring you to tears within a few minutes time and I knew I could be that I knew I could be better than that and I think I am but I have on one ear you know my family saying oh dream big you can be whatever you want you know the world is yours you're so young you can be whatever but oh yeah you can't be that you can't be that because only men can be pastors wait a minute that doesn't make any sense I can be whatever I want to be but I can't be that why well because it says it in the Bible okay well if we're going to be held to scripture that's thousands of years old let's really apply it to find out how many of these people who are walking around as qualified pastors really don't belong in that but no we don't we pick and choose because the 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 main priority is to protect the patriarchy so if there are men in power it doesn't matter what they've done whether they're abusive whatever it is they will hide it and you've seen that in Catholic in the Catholic Church abuse but the Protestant denominations cannot be silent about this either because they have done the exact same thing and all you have to do is go back a couple of years to read the report from the Southern Baptist Convention who told of how many pastors had been accused of abuse and the church hid it to keep those people in power so my point there is that scriptures always ebb and flow and become conveniently gray when they need to keep somebody in power that's all I'm saying okay back to deconstructing so this internal shift is inviting you to turn your gaze away from those that you have entrusted with your soul it's inviting you to no longer be to be spoon-fed from the pulpit and that's often what happens inside church not always and you all know I'm not talking about all churches there are some great churches out there doing great things but we don't have to qualify this even though people will come into the comments and say not all Christians not all churches you know what if you're doing the work you don't have to say it and you know it the defensiveness is probably pointing to the fact that you're a little comfortable in the pew and maybe your church isn't doing enough to equalize the playing field and not doing enough in social justice issues to help the hurting community sure there's one thing about having a soup kitchen and that's all admirable that's all admirable stuff but what are you doing to work to help restorative justice with the historically marginalized so oftentimes what happens is we become complacent sitting in the sitting in the pews and that becomes convenient so we just sit there we get spoon-fed from the pulpit and instead of instead of doing spirituality our religion becomes just a checklist this mental checklist that we do each week 
because the church benefits from that. For, uh, for our spirituality to almost become ro robotized, if that's a word, we become robotic in what, what we do. And it, as long as it centers around the church, they're okay with that. But when you start to feel this deconstructing, you start to say, you know what, I think I need to look outside and stop listening to this and see what else is out there. Because I need, and this was for me especially, I needed to seek an understanding outside of my religious heritage about faith, about spirituality, and even perhaps God. And now when I first left, I didn't know that. And it isn't uncommon that the deconstructing Christian will mistake this initial awareness of this internal shift that's happening as the entirety of their deconstruction, when in reality it's just the beginning. And I certainly didn't know that. And I certainly carried a lot of my indoctrinated beliefs with me. When I first left church, I really thought that I was going to hell because I was not being obedient to a church authority. But I was in hell. I was experiencing religious trauma, spiritual manipulation, spiritual abuse. Everything that could happen was happening. The hypocrisy of the church leadership was so loud that I couldn't take it anymore. So I was willing to take that chance, even though I still believed that my soul was at risk for just leaving. Now, obviously, I have deconstructed from that, and I have deconstructed to the point that I no longer believe in a literal hell that was part of my religious heritage. Now, this is always a good time to stop and say, deconstructing, no one should be out here proselytizing deconstructing. That's why I always tell you that my belief uh, or non-belief in a hell is my deconstructing journey. Some people deconstruct only to come back and, and still reconnect with the spiritual community inside their religious tradition. Because you know, primarily most of us here are probably coming from the Christian tradition, but there are people who follow me who are from uh, various religious traditions. So we hold the table for that as well. But this beginning awareness that something is off is is just that it's just the beginning but the beginning of what and I guarantee you when you're standing on the edge of that that's exactly what you're going to ask and no one can answer that for you you must answer that for yourself and that answer most likely will not come in one massive aha moment but rather in moments where just little by little or step by step this peeling away of these indoctrinated beliefs reveal the spaces where your religious heritage harmed you. And these indoctrinated beliefs controlled you. And then and only then will this wisdom and healing arrive to fill the sacred spaces where hurt, deception, and indoctrination lived. And it can be a lonely place sometimes, especially those of us before social media, because we were deconstructing on our own. Yes, we had books, and yeah, there were, there were a few forums, but not too many people out there brave enough to really post what was happening. Because if you've ever seen one of the most vitriolic comments will come from a person who's just starting to deconstruct and talk about it because people are going to do their best to try to bring them back into the fold and they get nasty. I don't know how you ever reconcile that nastiness 
with your faith and say it's God's love, but oh well, that's between you and your spirituality. But it can be a lonely place, and this that that can make this um, this spiritual wilderness is what I call it. And this is the void that is felt when one when you begin your deconstructing. It can be very challenging because it's given this lack of support and community. It's easy to see how a person can assume that simply being aware of this inner desire to deconstruct and then honoring that awareness through some sort of action, such as reading scholars or listening to teachers outside of their religious heritage can be all that deconstructing from religion requires of us, but it isn't. And I can tell you that, like I, even when I was still in church, I tell, I've told this story before, so forgive me if I've told it here, but I would sneak away from my spiritual community to go hear John Shelby Spong. I mean, come on, he came to my hometown. And I'm like, I'm not missing this. Even though there was a part of me that thought, if somebody find, from my church finds out that I li- I'm going to go listen to a, a bishop, an Episcopalian bishop who wrote a book that's called Christianity Must Change or Die, I, I was in leadership. And I was there. I didn't, he, he spoke three times and I didn't miss any of them. I sat in the back row because I and I came in just as it was starting because I didn't want anybody to see me, but I was there. And I read and I listened and I studied and I prayed and I meditated because I didn't know what what this was, until I finally had a very wise mentor, mentor say to me, "You're going to do this path, whatever it is that's happening, and then you're going to help other people do." the same like well what am I doing like she was like I don't know I don't know but you will know when you're there and I now that know that I'm here and that journey is different for each of us and that's why it's so important that as we deconstruct and we start to find our spiritual path our spiritual authenticity and we reclaim our spirituality We also look at how we're being influenced by the weaponization of scripture that's still out there, where people will try to to slam dunk you with one scripture verse and think that they really did something there. Because reading those books, they're, they're not enough. You still might be wondering, are you going to hell? Does God reject you? Or that ever pervasive question, am I really a good person? But what those questions point to is a deeper level of deconstruction from your faith. And let me assure you that questions about your worthiness or your salvation isn't uncommon as you deconstruct from your religious heritage. What is uncommon, and perhaps more accurately, what points to an intense level of religious indoctrination is this hyper-focus on the Bible to bless your deconstructing journey as it did when you were immersed in it. Because if you don't become aware of this insatiable need to be affirmed by scripture, then it's really easy to replace one dogma with another. And one of the things we don't want to do out here in this, as you deconstruct and you're in this spiritual but not religious, whatever that ends up being, if you stay spiritual but not religious, or you you find another religion, or you return to your religious heritage, or whatever that is, this need to be affirmed by scripture 
most likely is residual from a religious doctrination that preached affirmation of one's own self-worth. And that self-worth can only be found in the approval of church authority who in turn controlled the scriptural interpretation. So in other words, that person standing up there holding the Bible and, and doing this and telling you, mandating that you believe exactly how they interpret it and there's no other way to interpret it. You, your use, again, that goes back to that time where you're being spoon-fed from the pulpit. I just had this happen. I had someone come in to my DMs yesterday and say, do you even read the Bible? Do you even read the Bible? And I responded and I said, oh, let me, let me correct this for you. Because what you really meant to say is, do you even read the Bible and translate it the way I do? Translate it in a way that justifies my homophobia and my internalized patriarchy. That's what you meant to say. Now, they haven't responded. I don't know if they will or not. And I don't get into little squabbles with people like that. But that kind of comment is so arrogant. And it comes from that place of spiritual superiority when you have gulped down so much of that teaching that says, I can now turn back to the world and I can say, love the, love the sinner, hate the sin. I can say, I'm going to pray for you because the world just needs me to let them know how much more spiritually superior I am than everybody else out there because I'm part of that exclusive Christian club. Well, let me tell you, Christian Karen, that is not the way this works here. And I know that because I used to be just like you. And that's why I understand it so much. Because that, when that starts to fall away, being spiritually wobbly is legit scary. But this pattern of trying to hold on with, with, with a death grip to the Bible and try to make it be something that it just can't, it's, it's exhausting. And it can distract from the real work of deconstructing from a toxic and weaponized religious heritage. And I've seen this happen time and time again, where people get caught in this spiral and they reach out to me in the, in the DMs, pleading with me to point them to scripture that reveals this truth or that truth, but this truth or that truth is not the problem. The need to be affirmed by thousands-year-old text that is filled with mistranslation and monumental gaps in the original manuscripts that it is impossible to know the writer's original intent, that is the problem. And it isn't that I don't understand it. I absolutely do. I've been there. And I've made hundreds of videos and written many blogs addressing the flaws in Scripture and why homophobia and transphobia cannot be reconciled as a sacred Christian virtue, no matter how many times someone wants to comment Leviticus 18.22 and not say anything else like, wow, they just really did something there. How did I just not, how did I go all these years and miss that verse? But sweetheart, if we're really going to use Levitical law as a way to God, as our moral compass here in 2022 and beyond, y'all better be careful because there's not too many people other than the male head of a family unit that will not lose power and that's exactly what they want because that is what patriarchy is so i laugh every time i see somebody do that because they're just they're just spewing back to the world what they've been what they've gulped down from the pulpit 
but what is truly needed is a turning away from being this focus on being Bible affirmed and instead moving towards living Bible inspired. Now, if we accept this as part of deconstructing from our religious heritage, then deconstructing becomes a sacred healing journey that peels away these harmful narratives so that no longer will they have the power over you to control you in the ways that limit how you're going to show up in the world, how you're going to show up as the best version of yourself. The writers of the Bible did not see themselves having this much influence thousands of years away. They were telling a story to inspire on their limited understanding of the world from their little pin dot of the world in a world that they had no idea how else would come together but other wisdom keepers have other places around the world that were also trying to answer what was creation and where do we go from here and as we as technology changed us and humanity evolved and we were able to put the pieces together we could see that some of our information was missing and start to have wonder and, and, and compare creation stories and other uh, religious traditions so that we understood this is how people honored something bigger than themselves that they knew was out there. Now in future blogs, I'll expand on what it means to live Bible inspired. But for today, I wanna to leave you with this. Deconstructing from your religious heritage is primarily about healing healing from anything that harms us or no longer serves our highest good. And that is hard work. This healing journey invites us to stay focused on the work to peel back those layers of indoctrinated belief so that something better, wiser, and more sacred can, can arrive. Then and only then can this internal shift continue to point us to our true north so that someday, somehow, we will no longer have to ask Am I a good person? We know we are because we are here. We just know and we're trying to show up as the best version of ourselves, give the world the best version of ourselves. And we're trying to serve our highest good and by doing so, it elevates the human condition. And that is freeing that is sacred and that is holy blessed be okay beloveds i'm so honored to be in this space with you and i pray you receive something i know i did because the teacher teaches what she needs to hear and now beloveds go in peace be at peace go in love and may you be loved go and know that others are on this journey with you and you are not alone you are seen and deeply and unconditionally loved just the way you are Blessings on your week, and I will see you soon. Thanks for listening. Be sure to like and subscribe to Spirituality Matters wherever you listen to podcasts. You can watch the uncut version of today's episode on YouTube. Be sure to like and subscribe to Rev Carla's channel for more videos. Submit questions for upcoming Q&A videos or topics of discussion to spiritualitymatters at revcarla.com. As always, follow at RevCarla on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Pinterest for more spirituality teachings. Bye for now!